412. We'll sing uh, this song before our opening prayer this evening. 412, Jesus hold my hand. We'll sing the first and last verse. 412. As I travel through this pilgrim land, there is a friend who walks with me. Leads me safely through the sinking sand, it is the Christ of Calvary. This would be my prayer, dear Lord, each day to help me do the best I can. For I need thy light to guide me day and night. Blessed Jesus, hold my hand. Blessed Jesus, hold my hand. I, yes, I need thee every hour. Through this land, this pilgrim land, protect me by thy power. Hear my feeble plea, O Lord, look down on me. When I kneel in prayer, I hope to meet you there. Blessed Jesus, hold my hand. When I wander through the valley, dim toward the setting of the sun, lead me safely to a land of rest if I a crown of life have won. I have put my faith in thee, dear Lord, that I may reach the golden strand. There's no other friend on whom I can depend. Blessed Jesus, hold my hand. Blessed Jesus, hold my hand. I need thee every hour. Jesus, hold my hand. Let's pray. Dear Lord, what a great weekend we've had here. Lord, we just thank you for the ones that have came this weekend, Lord, the decisions that were made, Lord, lives that were changed. Lord, I'm proud to be a part of a church that gave what they gave this weekend for you. Lord, I'm thankful for the elders of this church, for the leadership of this church, for Jim and for Wes. Lord, and for all that they do. 
God, just let us begin to prepare for next year, Lord, because it'll be here before we know it. Lord, we just praise you for who you are, for all that you've done, God, and for all that you've promised us that you will do. In your name we pray. Amen. Number 659, if you will, in your book, 659. 659, I love to tell the story. We'll sing this song before uh, the invitation this evening. 659. I love to tell the story of unseen things above, of Jesus and his glory. Of Jesus and his love. I love to tell the story because I know tis true. It satisfies my longings as nothing else can do. I love to tell the story. Will be my theme in glory to tell the old, old story of Jesus and his love. I love to tell the story, more wonderful it seems than all the golden fancies of all my golden dreams. I love to tell the story. It did so much for me. And that is just the reason. Tell it now to thee. I love to tell the story. Twill be my theme in glory to tell the old, old story of Jesus and his love. I love to tell the story for those who know it best. Seem hungering and thirsting to hear it like the rest. And when in scenes of glory I sing the new, new song, twill be the old, old story that I have loved so long. I love to tell the story, twill be my theme in glory to tell the old, old story of Jesus and his love. Amen. If you will, please mark number 915. 915 will be our song of invitation. 915.
we have so many people to thank for EU. And thank all of you. It's just incredible how many people were actually working at all the places and positions every day and then going home and keeping 20 or 30 kids at their house. So it's just been a great week. And, you know, people say, and I, and I believe it, I don't know, I don't know hardly any other church that does this. I think we kept more people in our home this year than we ever had before. And I just, it's just amazing that you can do it. And I know everybody's worn out. And uh, I just want Wendell to come because, man, I'm, every time I see him set this stuff up over there, it's just absolutely amazing how they can just – and we got in there an hour late this year, but I want Wendell to come. He's got some folks he'd like to thank and, and share some things with us because of all the great work that was done with EU. start off with my apologies to Jim on this, but uh, I've always thought this a bad idea to get up and single out individuals from the pulpit, so I am not going to do that. Uh, what I do want to say is that collectively the effort that goes forward to pull this off is mind-boggling. Uh, I carry this clipboard simply so that I can make sure that all of the tasks that need to get accomplished get done. We put forth an effort at the beginning of the week to try to organize men to do different tasks, and that always falls by the wayside as soon as we walk into the building and people have just jumped into action. It's absolutely humbling to me to be a part of it, and I'm grateful for each and every single individual that participates in the setup and the takedown. Uh, it just scares me to death every Sunday after services are over to think that people could just get up and leave and, and not stick around to be a part of the takedown and it always gets done so quickly. It's amazing, yesterday the classes got out at 3.30 and we had 400 chairs pulled out of the classrooms and we had all of the classrooms set back up according to the diagrams that we had drawn so that the teachers would find their rooms in the same shape they left them in in about 40 minutes. And I'm just so grateful to all the men that pulled that off. Uh, the people working in the kitchen, uh, the job that you did, I, I moved some tables from the auxiliary gym back over to the building. And when I went back over to the kitchen, it was done. I mean, it's just sheer volume of effort. And I'm just humbled to be a part of it. Uh, we had a lot of new faces this year, people that have not been associated with this church for long at all. They just couldn't wait to be a part of it, and they jumped in, and they really put out an effort. And then we got a lot of old, familiar faces that are always part of it that I just count on so dearly to make sure that it happens. Gary, the janitor, made the comment to somebody. I believe it might have been Ryan Miller, but I'm not sure. But he said that uh, he was amazed at how clean everything was and how quickly it was done and how organized it was this year, that it was by far the best effort he had seen yet. And I can take no credit in that. All I can do is thank the ones that are deserving, and that's each and every one of you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Wendell. That's great. I appreciate so much what you do and in the name of the church and the good that's done. You know, I was just thinking uh, in these children's lives, anytime we do a special uh, session on whether it's on parenting or whether it's on marriage, I just remind people, you know, if you just learn one or two principles that causes you to change just one or th two things in your life, then the whole effort is worth it. And I was just thinking, you take all of these kids who went to all those classes and all those sessions, if it just cost them to change one or two things in their life, 
what a difference it, it will make. The difference it's already made in young men and women who are serving as missionaries, uh, serving as youth ministers and interns and other things. It's just a, it's a, it's a, it's been a powerful force, and we thank you every year for everything that you do. You know, over the years that I've worked here, I, I, people will come and they will watch what's going on, and they will think, "Yeah, we could do that. We could do that. We could do that." And I always kind of smile. I think, "Yeah, you can do that if you've got like 150 or 250 people." that all they want to do is work and they don't care who gets the credit and they don't want to try to tell people what to do. And so it is an amazing thing. And when people from other congregations come here, they're just absolutely blown away. How could you do this? How could you keep that many kids? Well, I just, I want to thank you. I want to give God the glory for this. And then let's just continue to pray that the seeds that have been sown can make a real difference. Make a real difference. You know, all of our kids have been touched by Tim Tebow. You know, um, I've been watching and reading some things about him. Uh, he lost this big game the other day. Of course, I thought if he wins this game, that will be a miracle, you know. Uh, but you know what Tim Tebow does before he plays every game? Tim Tebow flies some young person who has like terminal cancer or some terminal disease in. And before he goes and quarterbacks that football team, he spends time with them and he prays with them. And after the game is over, he spends an hour with them. And so when you hear him interview him, he said, well, I spent some time with so-and-so, so it, that really didn't matter all that much. He said, you know, when you're an NFL quarterback, the only thing that matters at the end of that day is if you won the game or not. Nothing else matters. If you lost, who cares? If you won, then everything's okay until next week. And he said, so what we need to have is something in our life that we're thinking about that we realize that football doesn't matter that much. And I thought, what a wonderful thing for young people in America to see some young man who the money that he's got and the time that he's got, he's thinking about other people. That's Christianity in action. That's what we aim to do in our lives. And I want to thank you for what you're doing. Tonight, just for a few moments, I want us to look at what the Bible teaches about Jesus and, and Jesus and character, Christian character and action. It says in Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 2, prophesying that when Christ would come, that he would grow up before him like a tender plant, as a root out of the dry ground that he had, would have no form or comeliness. And when we see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. And so what it tells us that the impact that Christ made on people while he was on this earth had nothing to do with how handsome he was or how skilled he was in those things. But it had everything to do with his character and his knowledge and his dedication to Christ. And that's what's so important for us is to have Christian character and put it in action. Just very quickly tonight, notice some of the things about Jesus' character. Number one, Jesus was strong enough to carry his own cross. He wasn't some kind of a winkling. I mean, after he had been scourged and after he had been beaten, he carried a cross that was, that was capable of sustaining his full weight for hours while he would die upon it. He carried it by himself until he stumbled. But when you think about how strong he was, Jesus was also so gentle that children could sit in his lap. In John 19, verse 17 through 19, it says, And he, bearing his cross, went out to a place called the place of a skull, which in Hebrew is Golgotha. There they crucified him, two others with him, one on one side and one and Jesus on the center. Now Pilate wrote a title and put it above the cross, and this was what the title was. Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. 
But in Matthew chapter 19, beginning verse 13, it tells us about the soft side of Jesus, the, 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 the wonderful side of his character. It says, then little children were brought to him that he might put his hands on them and pray. But the disciples rebuked them. But Jesus said, let the little children come to me. And do not forbid them, for such is the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and departed from there. What's our character like? What kind of character are we trying to build? We need to be strong, and yet we need to be kind. We need to be strong, and, and, and yet we need to have the ability to humble ourselves, and we don't need to have people be afraid of us. Number two, Jesus was strong enough to stand up to the Pharisees and tell them the truth but Jesus was also gentle enough to allow a, war, a woman to pour perfume on him and prepare him while he was still alive for his burial. And it means just three chapters apart. If you turn to Matthew chapter 26, turn in your Bibles because I'm not going to take the time to read that. You know. But the scribes and Pharisees, Jesus rebuked them. He delivered a series of 13 woes against them. Now, if you think that Jesus couldn't tell somebody when they need to be told, he could tell them. He called them scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites. He put the three names together. That's what he told them. He didn't do this every day that he preached. He didn't preach this sermon every time that he preached. But Jesus was strong enough to rebuke those who were hypocrites, rebuke those who were misusing God's law, rebuke those who were playing upon those who were weak and those who were poor. But then he was gentle enough to allow a woman to anoint him. It, it turn to Matthew chapter 26 and notice. I mean, they've already plotted to kill Jesus in chapter 1. It says in verse 6 of Matthew 26, Now when Jesus was at Bethany in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came up to him with an alabaster flask, a very expensive oil, and she poured it on his feet as he sat at the table. But when the disciples saw it, they were indignant. They wanted to rebuke somebody. And so Judas and the others began to rebuke her because of tremendous waste. Notice verse 10, but Jesus aware of this said to them, why do you trouble this woman? For she has done a beautiful thing to me. You, you always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. And pouring this ointment on my body, she has prepared it for burial. Truly I say unto you, wherever the gospel is preached in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. There's that beautiful Christian character of Jesus. He could be strong. He could be daring, and yet at the same time, he could be so kind and so loving. Jesus was strong enough to run the money changers out of the temple, but he was gentle enough to cry when Lazarus, his friend, had died. You know, it's incredible. Jesus cleansed the temple two times, possibly three times. And in Matthew chapter 21, verse 12, it says, Then Jesus went into the temple of God, and he drove all those who bought and sold in the temple, and overturned the tables of the money changers, and the seats of those who sold doves. And he said to them, it is written, My house should be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. And so, what a person. What strength, what daring. How many of us today would have the courage to stand up in front of a group of people like that and take charge like Jesus did? Not many of us. But then on the other, on the other hand, when he, when he came to the tomb of Lazarus, after he waited three days until Lazarus had died, and when he saw that Mary and Martha and all of their family were grieving and, and saying to him, if you would have been here, our brother would not have died, believing that Jesus had enough power to heal, but he couldn't raise the dead, it says that Jesus wept. 
Jesus wept. Why did Jesus weep? Well, he wasn't weeping for Lazarus because he was with the Lord. He wasn't weeping for himself because he never did that. Well, what was he doing? He was weeping for us because he knew how difficult it would be for us to face the death of those that we love. Jesus was intellectual enough to discuss the Bible in depth with Nicodemus, but then he was just normal enough to go fishing with his disciples. I mean, you think about that kind of character. Nicodemus is one of the Sanhedrin, and the Sanhedrin studied the law. Not like the Constitution law of the United States, but they studied the religious and the civic law of, uh, that was bound into one in the Old Testament. That's what they did. They interpreted the law. They argued about the law. Nicodemus, this great man, this great teacher, this great leader, he and Jesus have this long discussion about being born again. And it's in this discussion that John 3.16 occurs. And John 3.17, yes, those words were spoken first to Nicodemus. And so all of a sudden you see that Jesus is intellectual enough to study with anybody and answer any question that they might have. And yet, when you turn uh, later to uh, Luke chapter 5, you find that Jesus decides to go fishing with his disciples. You know, it's kind of incredible because you think, well, a rabbi, can he, could he just go fishing? No wonder Bobby Hollis wants to go to heaven. You know, uh, there's going to be fish in there, maybe. But notice Luke chapter 5, verse 1. The, 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 the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God. He was like, he was by the Sea of Galilee. He saw two boats standing by the, by the lake, but the fishermen had gone for them, and they were washing these nets. So he got, to, he got into the boats, which was Simon's. He asked him to put out a little from the land. And, and, and he sat down, and he taught the multitudes from the boat. And when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and throw out your net and let's catch some fish. Basically, that's what he said. But Simon answered and said, Master, we have been fishing all night and we haven't caught anything. But because you said so, I'll let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, so many fish that their net was breaking. And when they had filled all the boats so that they began to sink, Peter saw it, he fell down on his knees, and he said, Depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. What an incredible teacher. What an incredible character that Jesus had. You know, Paul reminded weak brethren, sinful brethren, the Corinthian brethren, the weakest church, in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13 and 14, he, he, he knew what we could become through the power of Jesus Christ. This is what he told them. He said, watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave and be strong and let all that you do be done in love. Those are wonderful words for us to remember. And I think that's what we did this week. Jesus died like a real man by beatings and crucifixion. Yet he remained sensitive even while he was dying to the needs of those who were around him. I know it's impossible for us to be exactly like Jesus in every sphere, but we need to try to do that. You know, I'm amazed when saints die, how they're concerned about others. You know, I've been in the presence of so many wonderful people, even in this church, that were dying when they knew they were going to die. And one of the things that's so moving is in their lives they had been strong and they had been brave, but as they were facing death, they weren't just worrying about themselves. They were so sensitive and concerned about their families and those that were around them. You know, when Jesus looked down from the cross, 
of, of the seven sayings, one of those sayings was, Father, forgive them, these people that had crucified him, for they know not what they do. And another one of those sayings was to make sure that his mother was taken care of by the disciple whom he loved, John, and that John would have a relationship whom he'd been so close to with his mother whom he loved so dearly. You, you, you see the power of Jesus, the strength of Jesus, and yet, on the other hand, you see the perfect nature of his character. And after Jesus was resurrected from the dead, Matthew 28, this is what he told his disciples. All authority hath been given unto me in heaven and on earth. And then he commanded us, go you into all the world, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of Father and Son, Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, I will be with you always, even until the end of the world. But you know, on the other hand, Jesus chose to suffer because of his love. Matthew 26, verse 52 through 54. If you read Luke, when they were going out, they had this discussion shortly before. And Jesus had told them, when I sent you on the limited commission, did you need anything? They said, no. He said, well, now, if you have a coach, you better take it. If you have any money, you better take it. Because people aren't going to welcome you into their homes anymore. And then he said this, and if you have a sword, you better take it. And somebody spoke up and said, we've got two swords, Lord. And Jesus said, well, that'll be enough. Well, in Matthew then, when they came to get him in the garden, you can see why did Jesus' disciples decide to fight? They were, still, they were confused about this saying that Jesus had said to them. So in Matthew 26, verse 52, it, you know, Peter drew his sword and he cut off Malchus' ear. But Jesus said to him, you know, after they were prepared to die for Jesus and deliver him, they knew that Jesus was not afraid. But notice, Jesus did balance of his life. He said, put your sword in his place, for all those who take the sword will perish by the sword. Or do you not think that I cannot now pray to my Father, and he would provide me with more than 12 legions of angels? How then could the scriptures be fulfilled that it should happen this way? Well, when you try to live like Jesus, there's several things that will get in your way. Confusion does. It got in the disciples' way. You know, one of the reasons that we have EU, because a lot of young people are confused. They really don't know about a lot about the Bible. And they have a lot of questions. And so they have the opportunity to hear somebody talk about all different kinds of things. Because confusion can mix you up into what you should do as a Christian. Number two, the roles that we are given. All of us have different roles and different responsibilities. And sometimes it's confusing to us how we should behave in situations like that. Um, number three is just our culture. You know, our kids are constantly, and all of us, are influenced like culture. One of the things that's happened to boys and men is, what does it mean to be a man? You know, I know what it used to mean to be a man. I know what my dad was as a man or my grandfather was as a man. But what does that mean today? And, and so it's so important for us to study the character of Jesus so that we understand things like that. And, and, and then finally, we need to make it a habit to act with character. I mean, a Christian is loving, and he's gentle, he's kind, and he's sensitive. A, a Christian can cry. I mean, Jesus, you know, the one who created the world, the one who would judge the world, is, it also was one who wept for the world. You know, a Christian is, is, is therefore released from the pressure of acting like some kind of a he-man or, a, you know, one of those action figures you see on TV. But, but, but he does things constantly 
that reflect his manhood. It's such a wonderful thing for young people to see every age member of this church, how they live, what they do, and what they think. A Christian character is something that's secure within itself. And, and, and a person who has that kind of character is like Jesus, that you don't really have to do anything to prove anything to anybody. How many mistakes have we made in our lives when we thought we had to prove something to somebody instead of just be who God wanted us to be? So Jesus encourages us to make it a habit of practicing Christian character. Christian character, like Jesus, respects men and women. It takes an active role in raising children and seeing to their needs. It's a Christian character is something that grows spiritually so that real men and real women are spiritual men and women. Christian character is something that causes you to take care of your physical body. Christian character is something that causes you to be faithful in your marriage and faithful to your family. Christian character is something that encourages you to stay out of the way of temptation. It's something that can help you get out of addiction with help and then be a helper and receive help to stay away from it. Christian character is something that that a person wants to look nice, but they're not preoccupied with their appearance. You know, when all these kids come and stay at our house, we end up cleaning up all those bathrooms after they've all been in their shower. I'm absolutely amazed at all the junk that it takes for these girls and these kids to get ready. And what I'm amazed at how much of it they leave at my house. They left a whole bag full of stuff. Apricot facial wash. You know? So if you use that, I got some of that if you need it, okay? Listen, I want to thank you for your character. I want to thank you for living and acting and being like Jesus. And I want to thank you for what you know you did this week. And I want to thank you for what God is going to do that you have no idea of because of what you did in honor and glory to Jesus Christ. Had a lot of people respond to the invitation. If you need to make things right with your Lord, you know how much we love you. You know how much we we love young people. You know how much we love those who are lost. If you need to come to Jesus tonight, won't you come while we stand, while we sing. What a glory sheds on our way While we do His good will He abides with us still And with all who will trust and obey Trust and obey For there's no to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. Then in fellowship sweet, we will sit at his feet, or we'll walk by his side in the says we will do where he sends we will go never fear only 
trust and obey, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. I, I just want to say how grateful I am that God left Bill Shadell with us. Amen. I know he was ready to go, but I'm so grateful that the Lord left him with us, and I want to thank you for praying with him, and whoever leads our closing prayer, please, if you... Oh, Bill's going to lead it. Well, I was going to say, Bill, whoever led our closing prayer, we just want to thank God that answer, so you'll take care of it. All right. Thank you all so much for being here. Thank you for your sacrifice this weekend and hosting EU. Hope that you all have a great week. Um, make sure to pick up an announcement sheet as you um, leave. It has our prayer list there. Um, remember the Hurt family um, and their loss. And also um, notice on there that Pat Patsy Schott is having surgery tomorrow. That is Tammy Jennings or Tammy Bishop's mother. Um, it's a fairly serious surgery. She has a fungal infection in her lung, and she's having a third of one of her lungs removed um, tomorrow at Centennial in Nashville. So please uh, remember her and her surgery and uh, Tammy as well. If you will, please uh, turn to number 590, which will be our closing song. 590. This will be our closing song after this song will be dismissed in prayer. Um, if you were unable to take the Lord's Supper this morning, it's been uh, left prepared in a classroom out the doors to my right and your left. You can um, exit out those doors or out the back and go around um, as we uh, sing this closing song. 590. <clears throat> Jesus is all the world to me, my life, my joy, my all. He is my strength from day to day. Without Him I would fall. When I am sad, to Him I go. No other one can cheer me so. When I am sad, He makes me glad. He's my friend. Jesus is all the world to me. I want no better friend. I trust him now. I'll trust him when life's fleeting days shall end. Beautiful life with such a friend. Beautiful life that has no end. Eternal life. Eternal joy. He's my well, it's certainly glad to be here, so it's good to see all of you. Let's have a prayer. Our Father, thank you so much for the blessings you give us in our lives. We thank you for this time. Help us as we challenge and face the things in the world that we have Christian companionship, friendship, and family, that it makes us so unique from being in the world. Be with everyone here. Father, be with them in their individual challenges, their heartfelt sadness, their joys, things that challenge them for their families, their children. 
health, and yes, challenges to be a servant of Christ. Thank you for every blessing we receive. And help us to realize, Father, that we have no guarantee. <laughs> How many days we have left. Thank you, in Jesus' name.